Yeah. <laughs> Hello, fellow Robo Capitals. Hope you're well. Hopefully, you guys are seeing this. We're having some serious internet issues, but I wanted to bring on my good buddy right here. Meet <laughs> Kevin. We're in Dallas together. Just did an interview on his channel that was fantastic. So we're just trying to do a quick live stream here because I want to get an update from you, man. Yes. Yes. I've been on the channel a long time. It's been a while. It's been years. And you've you've had like 14 kids. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Since you were just on the channel. You know, all the growth is not not in portfolios. It's in the household. It's in the liabilities are going up. Yeah, we were talking today that uh, your your household formation is pretty much correlated with the national debt. (laughs) (laughs) We're we're in a race. (laughs) It's going parabolic. But yeah, yeah. Seriously, you do a ton of videos like I do on the Rebel Capitals channel. You're, you're always in the news, paying attention to what's going on with the Federal Reserve and Jerome Powell, and then you've got your ETF now. So, yeah, uh, what are some predictions? What are you seeing? And I'll I'll kind of give you yeah my take on it. Maybe Please. we agree on beat some me things. up. Maybe we disagree on some things. Yeah, we'll see. Absolutely. Uh, so I would say uh, I think uh, inflation. Uh, there has been substantial inflation, yeah. but I think we're done with that. I okay. think companies can't raise prices anymore. Right. So I think that this year will be the year that companies are like, okay, we can't make any more money raising prices. We need to get back to, to unit growth and profit. So how do they do that? They cut prices and they cut jobs. Mm. And so my concern is that the Fed is too late in cutting interest rates okay. and we create a joblessness recession. The only way they can stop that, I think, is by cutting rates very soon. Okay. Do you think there's a possibility that... Yeah, the rate cuts don't matter. So whenever I go mm-hmm. through this thought experiment, I try to go back to the GFC and remember the curve inverted in 2006. Yeah. So I think they started cutting rates that just right off the top of my head. Let's just say it was uh, 2007. Yep. But let's mm-hmm. just assume for a moment they started cutting rates six months prior. Would it have made a difference basically? What do you think? No, not in, in the great financial crisis. I, I don't think so. Yeah. Uh, I I just, I don't know if, what we're dealing with now is almost like the aftershock of the COVID earthquake recession. Right. So there's still that potential that we're still dealing with. This is all part of the 2019 inversion. And this is just, we're feeling this, the afterwards. Mm, okay. Uh, so the, I don't know if, does that mean it's like a totally different cycle or is it the same cycle? I mean, I guess history will tell us, but my thinking is. Um, so it could be 1992. Or ninety one, you know that recession. Yeah, soft landing. So it, it's not. Ish. It's not horrible. Yeah. It's not, so is it GFC or is it nineteen ninety one, ninety two? Hmm. You know, that's the question. It, it could be that that's what the yield curve. I actually, is think predicting. it's eighty three. It's uh, which is crazy, but it's like post Paul Volcker. Okay. That that two thousand twenty two was like our Volcker, and uh, that was our modern adjusted version of Volcker. Okay. Uh, with this rapid rise in interest rates uh, to the point where inflation expectations are crushed. And uh, so we have, you know, folks say, well, the yield curve inverts, the market's going to crash 20, 30 percent. We did in Mm. in 22. So we've already had that. And so now um, in a weird way, is it is it possible that that can we settle out if we don't have a jobs recession? And that's sort of where my head is. Can the Fed stop a jobs recession? I don't know if they're going to be able to pull it off. If they can pull it off, people are going to make statues of Jerome Powell. And it'd be the first time. Yes. <laughs> they ever yeah, pulled, I mean, but, uh, but it's also like, it's weird because it's the first time we're off the gold standard. It's the first time inflation expectations while off the gold standard are low. It's the first time that we're coming out of a pandemic where we, you know, essentially printed the magnitude of money that we did. And 
screwed up supply chains the way we did. So uh, a lot of things are almost just the opposite of what we saw in the 70s. So I feel like there's there's different and then there's just the opposite. So I guess I don't know. I think that's what goes back to the 1940s. Okay. So we talked about this earlier with yes. my good friend Lynn Holland. And she makes the comparison of the 1970s and the 1940s where we had a significant increase in the money supply but yeah. in the 1940s for war production yeah in the 1940s it was more so due to the government spending and the fed monetizing that debt yes as opposed yeah. to the 1970s where the massive increase in money supply growth came from the bank lending ah uh, interesting so it, so it, it's it's different you go back to wartime where we had the supply chain disruptions mm -hmm. back then yeah and then we had an increase in the money supply due to let's just call it fiscal Right. So now if you look at Guns the 2020s, <laughs> right, is it yeah. more like the banks creating more loans? No, because le loans and leases are flat. Right. M2 is actually going down. Right. Where I think it's, it's like Lynn says, it's much more like the 1940s where you've got the supply chain disruptions and you have the money supply growth as a result of fiscal and not necessarily what's going on at the bank. Yeah. I, there, there are nuances, though, in, in war versus pandemics somewhat. You have loss of life in both. But interestingly you probably have much less destruction of industry in a pandemic than you do after a war. Yeah, so theoretically, those yeah. prices would come back down a lot faster because yeah. the supply chains are able to go back to as close to normal. You're not retooling, so to speak, or You're rebuilding. Not rebuilding. Right. right. In fact, instead of retooling or rebuilding, we are just building. <laughs> so, so we're massively expanding supply chain capabilities. So there is a difference to that. 40s, but I know when I say the word difference, it's this time is different. But but then I'm looking at it, I'm like, well, I mean, like it is like the mm -hmm. pandemic versus war. So then we go, okay, well, what what are the implications? Well, I mean, I have a hard time comparing us to the 70s. Most and, and we could turn into the 70s. I think that's everybody's fear as we turn into the 70s. But I don't see the elements of the 70s now. We didn't yeah, have right. the price controls. We don't have the inflation expectations, right? Uh, 40s is an interesting scenario. But then it's like, how do we adjust the nuances for for the supply chains? Yeah, yeah. I, I think that you're never going to have a decade that's exactly like X decade. But I think yeah. we're just trying to look at what's the, the closest thing that we have as a comparison. Exactly. And that's where I land on the 1940s. Okay. So now with 2024, what are you looking at as far as the real estate market? Yeah. And, and I know it's 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 all local and everything. Sure. But if we just had to look at the case shiller yeah, of course. in nominal terms, what are you thinking? Uh, I actually think it doesn't do much. Uh, I think there's a chance it will sort of bob around as well, mostly because I think as as rates slowly come down, uh, buyers and supply will sort of match up, mm. uh, which will be sort of weird because there's this impression. Some people are of this mindset that, oh, my gosh, prices are going to skyrocket again as soon as they cut rates. I don't think we're going to see a 2021 again in a very long time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then there's this other mindset of everything's going to crash. I'm kind of in the middle. Like, I think nothing's going to happen. <laughs> so it, and it's going to be really frustrating because there are a lot of people who are like, this sucks. Prices have come up so much. Housing prices have come up so much. You know what Jerome Powell just told people for, for uh, you had a question in the audience at the last presser, uh, one of the news folks, they said, hey, um, so what are you going to do about all the people who are now suffering, having to essentially pay 30% inflated prices? And his response is, well, we hope real wage growth will be strong. So like translated, we hope you can make more money to pay the higher prices. So yeah, like yeah, yeah. his expectation is not to bring prices down. Yeah, well, I think that's the politically correct answer. <laughs> probably. Say, my objective is to crash the housing market so to make it more affordable. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> that probably Fair. would be. Probably but but be even broadly, all yeah. prices, right? All prices. 
Uh, and so that's that's but I think that's, the weird. But that's what's interesting, isn't it? So yeah. as a society, yeah, we like it when consumer prices are going down, yes. when asset prices are going up. Yeah, but you can't really always have it both ways. Well, and that's where I think the the wealth gap is going to get disgustingly bad. I think they're going to turn the money printer back on. I think we actually agree with that. that the money printer is turning back on. I think where we differ is that, and correct me if I'm wrong, you think that's going to be the next wave of inflation as they cut rates because we have large problems and then we have to essentially print money. Am I right about that? Yeah, and we'd have a, I think we have a much different definition or definition of uh, money printing. Fair. Okay. okay I, I, right. I, I get really, really into the nuance there where I try to say, okay, Let, even if the Fed's balance sheet's increasing, if yes. you're buying assets from banks and it's not affecting yes. M2. But for this conversation, we don't have to go down that path. So, yes, generally speaking, you're right. I think that we have easing. Let's this, use that word. Can yeah. we agree with that? They go back to easing. Well, I think we can agree on more fiscal. Okay. Okay. More, more fiscal more, spending. More fiscal spending. I would more, agree. With that. More fiscal deficit spending. Yes. Okay. Which results, bottom line, in higher velocity. Yeah. Even if M2 isn't going up or if it is going up, you know, they're just taking savings and turning it into checking. Yep. Very similar to what we saw in uh, 2021. You know, right, which is interesting because I think I was looking at this government velocity of money. There's, I think we talked about this briefly. The savings velocity of money is like, you know, zero to two. The, uh, uh, or sorry, the the invested, what was it the invested velocity of money is somewhere between four and six. Uh, gosh, I can't get this straight. But the, the, the cash you have ready to spend probably circulates in the economy four to six times. Cash absolutely. you have invested probably circulates in the economy maybe one to two times. And then government spending, I think, was something abnormal, like eight to ten times or something. Yeah, I think <laughs> what it boils down to is uh, savings versus checking. So the okay. example that we used earlier is, let's just say you've got a thousand dollars in your savings account. Okay, that's not money that you're using to buy diapers and to pay rent and to buy cheeseburgers or buy a car or something like that. So that's not money that's really out there chasing goods and services. Although M two cannot differentiate. Between, between the two, two. Mm, right? Yeah, so, in the aggregate sum, so to speak. Right. So yeah. then, if you buy, if you say, "Look, I'm getting two percent on my thousand dollars in my savings account," but I'd much prefer to have five point five if I buy a three month treasury. Yeah. So I'm gonna go ahead and take that savings. I'm gonna give it to Janet Young. She's okay. gonna give me a treasury that's yeah. paying five point five percent. But then what she's gonna do? She's gonna take that money and she's gonna spend it as, as let's just say stimmy checks. Yeah. So now that money has gone from zero velocity. To a lot. To a lot. <laughs> yes, because yes, it's yes, gone yes. from saving Fair. into checking, mm. but yet M2 has not changed at all. So the velocity has increased. Therefore, all is being equal. You would expect consumer prices to go up. I think that, right. in my mind, that's the easiest way to. And so, it. so that's so your POV is that. Let, we'll sum that and call it easing. Easing yeah, turns right. into inflation. Yeah. I think easing turns into no deflation. So okay, so it's it's anti-deflationary. That's well, the, well, the easing will create inflation, but it will only offset the capitalistic deflation that's occurring. Uh, okay. Okay. So uh, without that, your base case is, let's say we have 2% deflation because mm -hmm. of the advances in technology, yeah. like AI and Kathy Wood stuff. Yeah, exactly. And, and so, but what you're thinking is that we're going to have uh, maybe a slight downturn or maybe the Fed's going to get ahead of it or the government's going to get ahead. Let's for, let's remember it's an election year. <laughs> yes. So yes. they're going to try to get ahead of it. Yes. All of this uh, fiscal spending that's going to go into checking, go from savings into checking, increasing mm -hmm. velocity, yeah. which uh, outside of the deflationary pressures, would give us, let's say, 5% inflation 
But with the 2% deflationary pressures due to AI and all this stuff, we end up at a net at 2 or 3% CPI. Exactly. Which is right around where we are. Yes. Okay. Hey, guys. I want to remind you to check out Rebel Capitalist Pro. This is the incredible online investment forum that I have with investment experts Lynn Alden and Chris McIntosh. It includes professionals such as Patrick Serezna from Macro Voices. He specializes in options. Jason Hartman, real estate, and Brent Johnson with macroeconomics. If you want to build wealth and thrive in this world of out-of-control central banks and big governments, Rebel Capitalist Pro is the resource you need. So check it out today at georgegammon.com forward slash pro. That's georgegammon.com forward slash pro. We'll see you inside with the fellow rebel capitalists that are taking their investing to the next level. In a, in a crazy way, the the election could be determined by where the economy is. Because the election well, I think it definitely will be. Well, the elections, I mean, as we know, they're not really determined by everyone. They're determined by that tiny little group in the middle, mm-hmm. uh, the, the swing voters. Right. And so I think that swing voter is a pocketbook voter like most people are. And real estate up, stocks up, job good, life good in the sense of like, wow, OK, inflation feels better. Like it's still bad, but things feel better. It's going to go to the existing regime, whereas things are like they were you know, two months ago when we had a 5% on the 10-year treasury and the stocks, a stock market had fallen for three months, you held the election, you know, October 31st of this year. Mm, yeah. So I, I think there's a lot to that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm oversimplifying. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah. what I'm saying is I agree with you. Oh, okay. I, I think that it's it's really dependent on where we are. You know, if you go into a hard landing. Oh, yeah. And Five five down. Yeah, you're done. Yeah, exactly. Or whomever. Gavin or whoever's the, your, your buddy. Your buddy. <laughs> but that also then incentivizes them to prevent that right, right. disastrous economy. Right. So, yeah. It's, like, yeah I, mean, I think what they, you know, I don't know where they are with the student loan debt. Yeah. But yeah. I know that they had to start repaying that in October. Yes. But that could be a lever that they pull to increase demand. That's true. Know, increase aggregate demand to say, okay, well, time mm-hmm. out, time out. We, 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 we lied. You don't have to start paying that back. That's I'm true. just throwing that out there as an example, something, a lever. That they oh, yeah. might be able to pull, oh, yeah. uh, along with the, the, Many other the deficits and everything. Another thing too about that deficit spending that's interesting. If we look at the uh, what do you call it, the the, the Anti-Inflation Act that was the Inflation Reduction Act. Inflation <laughs> Reduction. Okay. So we look at that, and I don't know how it broke. I don't know if you've done a video on this, but I. But what happens? Let's just say it's a five trillion dollar act. Yeah. Uh, they're not spending five trillion dollars this year. Yeah. That that's spread out over let's say five, 10 years, something like that. Yeah. So my guess is they could take some of that spending. Pull it forward. That, exactly. 100%. Yeah. Oh, 100%. So yeah. they're I think going that's to do that. you might want to look at. They'll pull every single trick. Oh, absolutely. But every politician would. And what do you think about <laughs> the, the, yeah. the tricks they've been playing with unemployment? And what I mean by that is so every single time that we get non-farm payroll, yeah. we have this blowout number. And then our vision. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think in in like... I mean, there's there there. I think there are three ways to look at it. One, it's totally rigged. One, it's totally true, and the truth is probably in the middle. Right. right? Uh, like there's some you know massaging, and then there's some like okay, well, we are at a in a tumultuous time in the economy, and so it's probably harder for them to actually gather the data. 
I mean, just like the survey response rates are horrible. The survey response rates used to be in excess of 60%. I think now they're below 35%. Mm -hmm. So, so businesses in rough times are less interested in talking about the economy. It's kind of like when your stock portfolio is going down, you kind of don't want to look because it just, it makes you feel bad. Yeah, you don't want to talk about it. <laughs> you don't want to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, okay. So earlier we were talking to the, the group and you're telling that story about your uh, initiation into politics and whatnot <laughs> and, and how you, you went from high hope, something to change the world yes. and the, the system just needs the right people and uh -huh. all that. And now you're quite jaded. Uh -huh. So yeah. why, why don't you just give us the Reader's Digest version? Because I think that's a fantastic story. And, yeah. then, and then maybe tell us, because all, all the people on this channel yeah. are really gung-ho about improving yes. uh, society and yeah. and building a society with more freedom and liberty and free market capitalism yeah. and we also discussed that this morning as far as yeah. now that you know what the bill of the beast looks like yes you know what is a plan of attack that all of us can employ to try to make things better for the future generations yeah i think uh, it was really ambitious to try to think like oh i could change the whole the snake the beast so to speak from from the top but what you realize is there's this whole like body that is keeping that head alive and so basically tell the story about the lawyers I mean, yeah that, that that pretty much perfect example thing, yeah. yeah essentially i tried so uh, i always call myself 5149 uh in california you can't get anything done if you're not a democrat so i ran as a democrat and uh because i was running against the beast of the party the established party in california i couldn't get any uh, campaign support from the Democratic side, yeah. campaign managers, campaign lawyers, uh, campaign staff, advertisers have nothing. I could get nothing from the Democratic side. So then you go to the Republican side. It's like, OK, well, can the best attorneys over here and PR folks help me over here or whatever? Well, no, because they're representing the Republican candidates. Mm -hmm. So when you go against the machine, you're left with the worst options possible. Yeah, yeah. And so I had to fire one of my attorneys in the middle of a court case. It's a live video on somewhere on YouTube, but you were there, by the way. Yeah. Again, shout out to all of you for supporting George because George came to support me. You were there <laughs> yeah. at, in Zoom court. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, I saw the whole the whole insane thing. Yeah. But it literally boils down to you making calls, and as soon as they find out yeah. that that you're you know you, that you're meet Kevin, yeah, and that you're going against Gavin Newsom, yep. Now all of a sudden, like, oh no, no, I can't take this, right? Because uh, other people mm -hmm. that have a lot of power are trying to kind of suck up to Gavin Newsom oh, right yeah. now because they're betting that he might be a nominee or he might be president. And then if he's president, yep. then he's going to return those favors. Yep. And then they're going to get some kickback. They're going to get some goodies or yep. whatever it is that they want. And and so that that's not just stuff, stuff that we read in Atlas Shrugged. No. <laughs> you can testify that that is what's really happening. Right oh, 100%. In I mean, yeah. it, because if, if a Democratic lawyer uh, represented me, uh, against Gavin Newsom, the entire Democratic Party would out them. Mm -hmm. And then so, well, okay, is a Republican going to hire them? Well, no, because they're hiring Republican attorneys. Mm -hmm. So they just lost their career because the machine said, no, we only have one candidate. Mm -hmm. So it robs the consumer of choice right. or the voter in this case. Uh, but yeah, the same thing with the judges, you know, the judges, I mean, this is a very jaded POV, but that the judges in Sacramento are partial to supporting the sitting governor because if that governor becomes president one day, they could get promoted to federal judges or the Supreme Court. Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I think that's really mm -hmm. what's driving a lot of the decision making that we see that's supposed to be beneficial. Well, that's the spin. Yeah, that's it's the spin. To be headed, you know, helping the average Joe and Jane. Mm -hmm. 
the behind the scenes. That's what's really going on. It's just it's just political posturing for power with whomever they think is going to be the next uh, president yep. or at least the next nominee. Yeah. You know? So uh, understanding that, you know, what's the path forward? You, mm. you, you've seen the belly of the beast. So I'm sure, you know, you're incredibly ambitious. So I'm sure you haven't just given up hope and said, oh, screw it. I'm just going to, you know, go complain in the corner. <laughs> uh, you said, okay, now that I understand how this works, yeah. now I, I realize that if I want to improve things over the next 10 years or 20 years or for my kids, this is a much more efficient way to go about it. Yeah. And that's uh it's small business really and business that, but, but a small business that you hope that you can scale into something that you can make a public company. Right. So I have a couple startups, a real estate startup and a stock related startup. And my hope is that I can not only provide for all of our employees, but also grow the businesses to provide value for shareholders, employees, and people we service mm. uh, with the goods and services we provide and, and make a difference that way. Right. So it's more of like a, it's it's from the bottom up approach rather than like from the political top down. Yeah. So yeah. what you're trying to do is you're trying to uh, create as much change mm -hmm. for the better as you can at a very local level. Yeah. With what you can control. Yes. And grow that and grow that and grow that until it gets to a point where hopefully it's so big that that you can have an influence. Yes. On the political leaders that you know are going to try to do the right thing. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. Well, I know you got to uh, catch a plane, and and I got to get one of these uh, Fred sweatshirts. <laughs> Those are absolutely awesome, buddy. Thanks for coming Thanks, to the man. Mastermind Group. Yeah, it was, it was great to meet you face to face. Yeah. I'm sure we'll do it many times in the future. I'm tired of Zoom, man. <laughs> so I'm like, glad yeah, to meet yeah. you here in person. Yeah. In a confront in person. <laughs> it was perfect. That's good. And then for any of I, everyone knows who you are, but for those who don't, oh, yeah. you know, just, meet uh, Kevin on YouTube. M-E-E-T, not the M-E-A-T kind. That's right. Yeah. For every single live stream. If you think I put out a lot of content, uh, you got to see this guy. Thank you. All right, guys. As always, make sure that you're standing up for freedom, liberty, free market, <laughs> capitalism. We'll see you